Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Everything co-op. That's what we're talking about today is cooperatives. You know, we're talking about that today, but NCBA has been talking about co-ops for 100 years. They were formed in 1916. That's when the NCBA story began. It started under the name of the Cooperative League of America, This organization is the oldest not-for-profit cooperative development and trade association in the USA. It's the sort of the, where all of the co-ops come together and work together on whatever the issues are for cooperatives, uh, whatever is going on in the U.S. and around the world. And today on the show, we have Alan Knapp. He is the vice president of advocacy at NCBA. He's located right here in Washington, D.C. Good morning, Alan. Hey, good morning, Vernon. Uh, thanks for uh, being on the program. I appreciate it. Ah, thank you for taking out time and, and joining us to give us some great information about what you do. Now, what is an advocate? What do you do? So an advocate really is, um, and there's a lot of us in Washington, D.C., basically an advocate is uh, expressing your First Amendment rights, and that's really to petition the government. Um, there's a number of things under the First Amendment, but uh, one of those that other people don't realize is the right to petition the government. And really what that means is that you uh, you advocate for your position or you advocate for a certain way of of, uh, of life or a way of doing things, and um, you have a right to talk to the government about that and, and uh, get your voice heard. And it's a little bit different than lobbying, but uh, advocacy is certainly a right that uh, should be protected for everybody. And, you know, at NCBA, that's what uh, we do. Uh, we, uh, you know, we make sure that uh, the voice of uh, cooperatives across sector is represented um, in, in the halls of Congress and the administration. So, yes. You know, I started out with Potomac, Potomac Association of Housing Co-ops, which is D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, and then went into the National Association of Housing Co-ops, which is the National Umbrella. And we have a lady by the name of Judy Sullivan who advocates for us. Do you ever work with her? Oh, definitely. Yeah, Judy and I work um, have worked together for years, and that's one of the um, the beauties of our organization. Is like you mentioned at the start of the program, we we are an apex organization. We are that that big umbrella at the top uh, that connects all of the different sectors together. And we try to unite, we, we try to speak with a united voice, but uh, Judy definitely does a, a really good job of, um, I saw her last week at our advocacy conference. She, uh, she helped out, but she does a great job advocating for um, housing cooperatives nationally. I think so too. I've always liked working with her and I haven't had the opportunity of working with you, but perhaps sometime in the future, we can advocate together. <laughs> 
there's a lot of issues in housing definitely to advocate for uh, a number of things. Uh, Judy briefed me really quickly last week about the number of, uh, of, uh, of, of things that they are working on um, specifically. But it's, that's one of the great things about my job is I get to hear all the dif- different sectors talk about their own different issues. And they're, they're all very, very different. But, you know, at the, the underlying uh, message of that is that they're all – based upon the cooperative model, which, which um, you know, we advocate for. And, um, you know, the more that we can educate and advocate uh, the cooperative model to Congress and the administration, the less that uh, you all have to do to explain to everybody who asked that age-old question, well, what is a cooperative? I don't know if I belong to one, and I don't really know how they work. So, you know, we try to help kind of soften the ground for that so uh, you can really get your specific message through. When we had the... Um White House briefing in 2012, where United Nations had declared 2012 as the year of the cooperative, international year of cooperative, one gentleman at the front asked everybody from the White House, every staffer that came up, are you a member of a co-op? That was sort of like the first question after they said what they did. And invariably, they said no. Well, half said no, half said yes, particularly people from Wisconsin and Minnesota people up there, they knew what a co-op is. And if they were from a farming or U.S. ag, they knew what a co-op is. But one guy said no. And then the next question was, are you a member of a credit union? And he said, yes. He said, matter of fact, we're a member of two credit He said, okay, you therefore are a member of a co-op. And I think most Americans are a member of at least one co-op, but they don't know it too often. So how how do you help to get that message out? By the way, this is why National Co-op Bank is sponsoring this program, is to try to get the word out of the benefits of co-ops. But how do you do that? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Vernon. Um, that's the that, that's the difficulty. And, and you know, over the last, um, wow, at least I want to say 20 or 30 years, we've, we've done uh, um, not only our organization, but also other organizations, I know Credit Union National Association, have done surveys where we uh, we poll uh, the general public and we ask them questions, and, and we did a survey last year that, um, and, and it was very similar to, to years back. We used kind of the same questioning just to see if the needle's been moved a little bit. And shockingly, that's the that that's the the answer we get. I think you know, bottom line, the awareness level of uh, of cooperatives is um, you know hovering around twenty five percent when you ask them. Um, more pointed questions about, you know, do you get your electric from a, you know, a rural electric cooperative? Do you do you, um, do your financial services at a credit union? Do you, uh, you know, shop at a, a you know, a, a food co-op or whatever? And, and the answer is, well, yes, I do. Then the answer is, well, then you do belong to a co-op. And so it kind of ticks up, I think, generally to the public at about 47 percent, I think, was what our survey is. But, um, you know, one of the, the interesting things is when you ask them additional questions, um, and I'm talking to the poll that we did last year, mm-hmm. and when you ask them questions about, you know, do you value uh, local decision making? Do you value uh, Democratic member control? You know, do, do you get fair, do co-ops offer fair prices? Do they offer um, competitive products vis-a-vis your uh, more traditional, uh, you know, private sector 
investor-owned corporations. And I think on about seven or eight of those consumer value questions, cooperatives rank very high. So, you know, one of the challenges that, that we have, and like, like you said about, about NCB, is that we have a long way to go still um, in terms of educating both the American public and our elected leaders who represent us about the cooperative model, about what it is. Um, it's a, it, you know, it can be complicated. Um, it's not something that they're used to. But when you, when you ask them questions about value, about things, especially after coming out of the Great Recession we had several years ago, I, I think more people are starting to look at where do they spend their money, where do they, where do they shop, where do they work, um, and, and looking at things like that. So we've, got a, we've got, still got a work to do to bridge that gap, but uh, all, all the makings are there. The awareness levels are low, but the value levels are high. So we just simply have to bridge that gap. And, you know, and that's what we do is, uh, you know, that's what I do as, as, as um, you know, advocacy for the National Cooperative Business Association is, is trying to, um, you know, share those stories of cooperatives nationwide, um, kind of put it in the human element. And, um, and brief elected officials, one, one elected official at a time, and create those relationships, those lasting relationships, and then educate new members that come in um, about uh, the value, about where co-ops. Co-ops are found in every congressional district in America, every state in America, and it's just a matter of connecting them and making them aware. You know, making them aware is a critical piece, making them aware. And I told the people in the housing co-ops that, the co-op business model is the stepchild to the capitalistic models Americans are in love with, including me. I went and got an MBA because of wanting to increase my wealth, my personal wealth, my family's wealth. So this capitalistic model we, we are in love with, and therefore not a lot of attention paid to the capitalistic model, I mean the cooperative model. And I kind of have believed that people in the capitalistic model don't even want people, everyday people, to know about the cooperative model. I said, I don't know if that's true or not. But um, how to get people to, to know about it, here's an idea. Uh, what do you think about having a debate between Secretary Clinton, Senator Sanders, and businessman Trump all about co-ops, that's a debate about co-ops, <laughs> Okay, maybe if we could do get it off before the California vote, but that's real close in June the seventh. So maybe it's after whoever's in the primary for the Democrat, Democrats and the, and the Republicans, just to have them to talk about on stage on TV the co-ops and have the panels asking them questions about co-op business models and what they do. Like you said, the value of the cooperative model is very high. I wanted to ask you how high is that? Is that in the 80s or 90s percent? And what do you think about that debate? That'd be great. And then to answer the, the latter question, yeah, the, uh, the, um, so the poll that we did back in, um, in uh, 2015, um, this would have been March of uh, 2015, and we announced at our last advocacy conference. Yeah, the, the, um, the, when you asked, the, there were about about eight value questions um, that we pose to just general everyday people, random sample of a thousand Americans across the United States. And these were questions of, uh, again, of, of do, you, do, you, do you appreciate shopping locally? Do you like democratic member control? Do you feel cooperatives offer prices and, and products at a comparative level? And the, um, you know, the answers are well into the high 70s, low 80s. They beat their uh, uh, private sector, um, investor-owned, traditional, um, as you mentioned, capitalist com companies that they're aware of, you know, in some areas by double digits. Um, so I think there is value there. There is – the consumers do do value 
that uh, they like the especially the local control. I mean, they, they you know when they when they shop at a credit union, you know they know that the decisions are being made locally in their credit union versus somebody in a in a high rise thousands of miles away for, or in a different country or in a different country. And uh, yeah, and I think you know, and, and when you talk about how you want to. You know, yeah, I think some people have a view of, uh, um, of cooperatives as, you know, vis-a-vis the, the more traditional what people think of as, as capitalist model and, or an investor-owned model uh, where there are shareholders. But I think, um, you know, in how, how to frame the debate and how to talk to our elected officials at a very high level, including our presidential candidates, is that cooperatives, and I think in America, you you need those you need those checks and balances. You have checks and balances in, in government systems, but you need checks and balances and alternative options in in the business model. Everybody knows competition keeps you know keeps people honest. Uh, they keep prices in check. They make they make the marketplace competitive. And I think cooperatives have a really good place of fitting in the capitalist model for that very reason. You know, when you're shopping for a home loan. You know, you have your bank and you have your credit union. I think having, um, you know, healthy alternatives and options um, helps keep both honest. Um, when you're when you're shopping for a home and you have, you know, a, a, a cooperative housing or you have a traditional apartment, I think there's there's benefits there. Um, and, and the same thing with shopping at a local farmers market versus a supermarket. I think you have. How we've got to take our we've got to there. Yes, we have to take our first break. I'm sorry. Um, you've given a lot of great information, and we'll come back and talk more about that. But we'll take our first break to get to weather, the news, and traffic, and we'll be right back. 1450 WOL. WOL makes a wonderful partner for Everything Co-op because they believe, and their motto is, information is power. And as I said earlier, the National Cooperative Bank, NCB, is sponsoring this program to give you information about cooperatives and the cooperative business model. Because if you take this information, get a group of people together to form a business, learn how to create a cooperative business, there are a lot of resources out which we talk about on the program, then you can solve your own community problems with joining together cooperatively and learning how to manage that business together. And as we're we're talking to Alan, Alan, how do you pronounce your last? I want to say Knapp. It's Knapp. The K is silent. The K, okay, Knapp. Okay. Nap, yes. When you're going around talking about co-ops in this last recession, the Great Recession, how did the um, mortgages in the credit unions? How did they fit? Did it, were they as many foreclosures as with the other banks like Bank of America and so forth? You know, I want to say no. I, I and, and I've talked with. I, I stay in pretty good contact with the um, advocacy folks at the Credit Union National Association, and um, and have read uh, read reports. But um, no, I mean, in terms of uh, you know the things that were going on that uh, you know in 2008, you had you know you had different products that were offered. You had investors. I'm sure you know a lot of documentaries and movies were were made about the. Um, about the housing crisis back in 2008, but I think you know, in terms of uh, where, where credit unions stand, is because their decisions were made locally. They had uh, lending guidelines uh, that were were different than a lot of the other uh, major banks, the the too big to fail banks. That they generally were able to uh, to to soften the blow, if, if you will, on their portfolios. Of, of housing. And I think that was, uh, you know, and I think, you know, coming out of that, I think, I think Americans really understood that local decision-making by credit unions 
that didn't make a lot of those uh, those same errors that they were checking uh, certain things, offering products that were more sustainable. So yes, you know it's it's, it's local decision making, but it's also one of the values of co-ops is caring for others, and if you care for your members. You know, the, the members are the ones that own the business, and then they elect the board of directors, and the board of directors hire the management, okay, and the board of directors are members. You don't offer products that are going to be bad for the membership. I, it's, it's, it's simple to me. And I found that with as I manage housing co-ops, the, the housing co-ops would not offer share loans, the kind of derivative that they were doing, where the interest would go up over time, every two, three years. The interest goes up to where the member couldn't afford to pay it. So they just wouldn't offer those bad, those, I want to call them bad, they have been called bad mortgages for people. So you get the local decisions and the value of concern for your members, concern for others. So you just don't offer that. And I think that's why I love co-ops. <laughs> Yeah, much definitely. better. Yeah, they, yeah. Much better for the members. Much better for the community. Much better for our economy from the standpoint of making the best decisions for the community and the members therein. I kind of think I would like your job too, buddy. You get to shout about co-ops all day long. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we uh, we definitely get to do that. I like to view my job as the uh, you know there there's certainly a lot of folks. Um, like yourself and others that I work with that are that understand co-ops at a, at a very high level. You know, they it's their livelihood, it's their job. And you know, my job is more forward-facing to the general public. Um, I get the I get the blank stares and the question marks. You know, so it's funny on an on an everyday basis. You know, we'll have we'll have our board meetings and we'll have our coalition meetings and we'll you know I'll be surrounded by folks that that know the cooperative model very very well and it's their livelihood. But then you know when and then and then my job really is to is to help sell that to other people that don't live that same way, you know, and, and they, they may not live that same way, but they should understand that way and they should make informed policy decisions um, understanding that way. And that's really what I, I try to do. So I try to take the best stories and thoughts and ideas and, and, <clears throat> and visions that people have in the cooperative world and translate that into uh into those that who, who don't understand it very well. And, and, and my job, hopefully, is to move that needle up a little bit and, and get the right people um, that are making those important decisions to, to when they make those decisions to, to think that there are cooperatives that might be impacted on those decisions. And, and if, you know, if I can educate a few along the way, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, speaking of talking about people and having people alongside you, could you talk to us about your Congressional Co-op Business Caucus? Definitely, and and that's um, you know certainly along the same lines of, of educating and and, and awareness, um, it is a tangible platform uh, to really do a lot of that work. So when we were looking at you know how we can impact members of Congress, help get them more aware, the first thing we decided to do was you know let let's try to form a, a caucus, and a caucus really is a there's a lot of them in, in Congress. Some are, are much more organized and much more um, purposeful. Uh, than some. Some are just in name only uh, to, to satisfy a certain constituency, but there are over 300 different, uh, they're called congressional member organizations, uh, caucuses for short, um, but they're really an opportunity for um, members uh, of Congress who have like-minded or, you know, like-minded interest in issues 
to band together and to work together on 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 issues. Um, one of the first things that we tried to do is um, trying to position NCBA politically in the center, where we can, you know, definitely reach out to folks on the left and folks on the right on a, on an equal equal footing, because really that's uh, cooperatives really represent the the broad spectrum of American politics from the far left to the far right and everything in between. And, and really the idea behind the caucus was we wanted to create a bipartisan caucus, Republican and Democrat. If we could do that, you know, it's a lot easier to get things done. It's a lot e- easier to get decisions made by having that that bipartisan interest. So we uh, we, we definitely approached several members. We, uh, we, we have a very uh, good friend in uh, Congressman Mark Pocan, who represents um, Dane County, Wisconsin, which is the largest concentration by percentage of cooperatives in the nation. Um, and so he was a clear ally that said, yep, sign me up. I'm on board. Now, is Dane um, County, is Madison in Dane County? Dane County is, yeah, Dane County is, is Madison, Wisconsin. Yes. Okay. And then we also, you know, and then we were looking at, well, you know, who is a who, who is a good Republican that we could reach out to that would really help, you know, raise this uh, and, and be an anchor for, for this on, on that party's side? And uh, we reached out to Congressman Ed Royce of, of California, who has a longtime interest in in credit unions. He also has a, he's also the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, has a, a, a big interest in um, the cooperative model being used in um, international development. So in terms of development projects that uh, the as you mentioned, we were formerly the Cooperative League of the United States. That's how a lot of. Um, countries still view us in in Africa or in Southeast Asia or Central America, where we do a lot of our international development work. So Congressman Ed Royce was really a, a natural ally to to align with because of his interest and in, in support of credit unions, as well as his role on uh, foreign affairs. And so we kicked that caucus off in January at the National Press Club. And we've been using our uh, – well, we used our annual conference here last week uh, to really get our members to, to fly into town and to go uh, to, their, to their members of Congress and ask their member of Congress to join that bipartisan Congressional Cooperative Business Caucus. We um, currently have five members besides the co-chairs of Ed Royce and Mark Pocan. We also have Congressman Reed Ribble of Wisconsin, a Republican. We have uh, Congressman Ron Kind, um, Democrat of Wisconsin. And we have uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, a Democrat of California. And that we're certainly not stopping there. We have a robust plan to to bring more and more members uh, to the caucus. And, and hopefully once we add um, both when we add members to the ca- to the caucus, we want to start hosting events on Capitol Hill where we really take deeper dives into cooperative issues, whether it's uh, whether it's cooperative housing issues or food security, or um, there's there's ideas about a growing need for urban agriculture and the role of cooperatives. Um, we really want to help enlighten. Um, we want to invite staff and members of Congress um, to, to come in and, and hear, and ed- we really want to help educate them on when they're developing policy ideas in the halls of Congress that that they can use the cooperative model. To, to solve a number of those problems, whether it be education, health care, food security, housing, um, you know, we want them to look at the supporting the cooperative model as a as a as an additional option, additional 
uh, tool in their toolbox to use to help solve those problems. So that's really what the caucus is for, and we're very, very excited. And, you know, we encourage all the listeners that are on your program to, you know, to, to talk to their member of Congress, to, to tell them that, about this caucus and have them join. You know, is there a, a letter or something they could send to their congressperson? Yes, definitely. We have on our website, if you go to www.ncba.coop, we have an advocacy section on our website, and you can check out the caucus website there. We have um, our current list of members. We have a lot of latest news and events. We have resources. And most importantly, we have a draft letter that um, members of Congress can, or that, that uh, individuals can, um, can copy, they can paste, they can send it to, uh, there's a link in there to, to how to identify where your, uh, who your congressman is, you can enter your zip code, and then just simply copy and paste that draft letter, amend it and edit it to your, to your liking or your organization's liking, and simply send that along. Um, And that's the best way to reach out to your member of Congress. We've done a lot of the hard work for you. Um, So it's uh, um, just simply probably take a minute or two to do it, and and you'll get your voice heard. And we're going to take a minute or two and take our second break, and we'll be right back to you. Please don't touch that dial. 1450 WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. We're here talking about cooperatives and everything about cooperatives. You know, the National Cooperative Bank is the sponsor of this program, and their mission is to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for the America's cooperatives and their members, placing special emphasis, special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged, which gives a bank sort of a, a, a hard mission, if you will, because most capital banks are looking to loan money to people that already have money because they're only banks are normally what I was taught in school. Alan was that banks are only interested in one thing and that is well, three things that's getting their money back, getting their money back and getting their money back. And so it's hard for a normal bank to loan money in communities that are economically challenged because in most of those communities, communities of black folks and brown folks, there, are, there is not a lot of capital, a lot of net worth. So NCB has a has a hard job, but they've done it extremely well of going in and learning who the people are and working with partners in communities to loan money for people to both start up businesses and working with like CDF, which is a uh, cooperative development foundation, which is, uh, is that a part of your NCBA? Our, yes, that- they, yeah, C- CDF is um, actually housed in our headquarters, and we, we definitely work a lot with them and uh, talk with their executive director all the time, yes. And they have different pools of money to help people start co-ops, and you can go to cdf.coop and get uh, the information and find out uh, if you wanted to start a, a – you talked about a food hub earlier, but if you wanted to start a, a food co-op or – even if you wanted an urban farm, I, I went to visit one in Cincinnati. They're awesome. So you could look at CDF and see when they are having uh, accepting grants to help uh, provide startup funds. Sir, uh, do you like your work? Definitely. You know, the, the whole idea, and I'm a, I, I'm 
live and breathe politics and, and government relations. Uh, it, it's tough to be in this line of work today and all the cynicism. And and uh, I think, you know, when, when people vote, uh, you know, poll and, and they ask, you know, the, the favorability of Congress, it's 16 uh, percent. Um, <laughs> and that's and that's generous. Vernon. Okay. <laughs> um, you got 16 percent favorability for Congress and 78, 70 to 80 percent for co-ops. Maybe we could get the Congress into some of our training classes to learn how to work together and solve problems and solve differences of opinion. How about that? You that sounds that? great. Yeah, I <laughs> know we we had a you know we had a um, a lady from uh, um, an American uh, American University uh, professor of government speak at our uh, at our conference, and, and she was really talking about the um, you know just because that we have high levels. Uh, High-level examples of dysfunction doesn't mean that the the process stops, and that you know policies fail to be enacted uh, when a silent majority loses out to an impassioned minority because the majority isn't organized and doesn't take full advantage of its impact. Uh, she was she was really good at at kind of framing that that you know even if there's dysfunction that you 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 have to keep going on. This is you know this is the country. This is the country that we you know, that we can, you know, decide to make for our own. And, and uh, I think co-ops really, uh, you know, take it upon themselves to better their communities and, and rise up to do that. So r- really, even if, if things get uh, things don't get done and, and uh, people get frustration and, and don't think that their voice really will make an impact, um, we, we still have to keep fighting on and doing that. And I just want to pause a minute here. There are seven principles for the modern co-op. And Alan has mentioned several of them as he's talked. First one is voluntary and open membership. It doesn't make any difference of your gender or your social or your racial background, your politics or your religious. Matter of fact, I had Dame Pauline Green on a couple of years ago when she was the president of ICA, International Cooperative Alliance. And she was talking about on their board, you know, they may have somebody from a socialist political group or a communist uh, country or the Democratic. They're all in all kinds of religions on their board, when you're working in a co-op, all, none of that stuff matters. You're there to try to figure out the other of these, and that's democratic member control, member economic participation, both put up some money, and if there's dividends, you get some money back. Autonomy and independence, you have to own it and you have to control it. And then there's education, training, and information, which was the love of my life and the reason I really liked co-ops in the beginning, Alan. And then there's cooperation among cooperatives. And what you just mentioned, the seventh principle is concern for community. So that's built in into the cooperative principles. Okay, so I just wanted to stick that in real quickly here because I like to talk about them every show because I really like these principles and the values of co-ops. So what are you advocating now? you got the Congressional uh, Caucus working. So what are the, some of the things that you have in front of you now that you're putting forward to Congress? Well, yeah, the, the, the caucus is definitely – we have um, – so when we, when we sat down um, a year or so ago and, and thought about kind of our strategic plan for, for advocacy with, with NCBA, you know, we really wanted to create some – uh, tangible platforms to really to, to drive a lot of our work um, on the federal level. So the caucus was the idea um, to drive a lot of our work um, from the congressional side. So if there's a, you know, a particular vote or a particular letter or a bill uh, that is circulating that, that would impact cooperatives, that, that we create the caucus to help um, provide that, uh, you know, that mobilization or that voice uh, to do that. 
We also uh, have recently formed um, and have had several really successful meetings of a uh, what's called the Interagency Working Group on Cooperative Development. It came out of the Agricultural, Agricultural Act of uh, 2014, otherwise known as the Farm Bill, and uh, really worked. Um, it was NCBA's language um, uh, at the time trying to insert that into the Farm Bill. And the idea behind it was that, um, you know, in 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 the modern uh, day right now, uh, you have a number of different federal agencies in Washington that handle cooperative issues. You know, you're you're in housing cooperatives, so the Department of Housing and Urban Development, uh, for, for one, is, HUD, is uh, HUD. or the, or the Veterans Administration. You're dealing with VA loans. You know, they they aren't. Uh, you know, they they are probably the ones that don't really understand cooperatives well. But when you look at, uh, you know, uh, cooperatives in the United States, the longstanding relationship between the United States Department of Agriculture and cooperatives has really been the lead. You know, we're one of the few countries, and you mentioned ICA, and I've I've had a uh, privilege to, to attend an ICA event internationally and talk to our international counterparts. And one of the things that um, many of those countries share is a ministry that of uh, that, that cooperatives are, are very front and center in that. In the United States, we obviously don't have ministries. We have cabinet agencies and departments, but um, we don't have a high-level department that handles cooperatives. The closest we have is um, the United States Department of Agriculture and their rural development program. And so the idea behind the working group was really to take the uh, and leverage the expertise of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and their longstanding and, un- and awareness of cooperatives and create this interagency working group that they would chair, um, that they would work with with us and, and other national and local organizations. And the idea behind that was to um, invite what they call the federal family together. I think we've had um, we've had now three events with the working group, and we've and on each occasion we have over a dozen federal agencies, whether it's um, uh, FEMA or Department of Commerce, Department of Justice. We have HUD there. We have Department of Labor. Um, the list goes on and on. And you know, the idea behind that is to help them uh, be aware of that co-op issues are currently in their in their area, and uh, we need to make sure that they're more um, aware of, of those issues. And, and they can, most importantly, we try to convene the organizations that are most going to be impacted by their decisions. And uh, we try to make sure that they have a voice and a platform in which to, to communicate. And, and we really view the, the caucus and the working group as kind of the two big platforms where a lot of that work will be driven. I think a lot of them can be complementary to one another. Um, agencies don't like congressional oversight, but I think the idea is that if, if there's a, a current issue being talked about, if you know, in the working group, you know, using a, a specific example, if there is a cooperative issue and an agency says, you know, we 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 agree with you, we're limited, we can only issue regulations, we can't change the law, or there's um, appropriations needs or money to to get that done, then we have the natural avenue of the caucus to go back and say, look, you know, we've 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 addressed this issue. The agency is is supportive. Uh, they need your help. They need a law drafted. They need uh, you know they need appropriations, and we can work on that angle. So I think it's it's kind of a twofold approach where we really try to get both sides engaged on that. And so those are the the, the, the two platforms that we're working on. But, you know, one of the areas I want to talk, uh, talk, talk about, Vernon, briefly. But you, Alan, let, let's, yeah. let's go back real quick before we go to the other one. The interagency working group, is that mainly out of the uh, agriculture? Because I was surprised 
that I didn't see agriculture in the uh, first group. Yes. So the interagency working group on cooperative development is um, it's it's uh, under the statute um, uh, under the farm bill. It's chaired by the secretary of agriculture. And so the, the statute reads is that the, uh, the the secretary shall chair uh, the working group, um, shall invite other members of federal agencies and should also um, coordinate with national and state cooperative organizations to better understand cooperative development issues. So that's how the law reads. And they've been a really good partner with us in terms of of, um, reaching out. And many of you listening have have had the opportunity to meet Doug O'Brien, who is now, who used to be with USDA, is now at the White House and Domestic Policy Council and does a lot of work on detail for the White House Rural Council, um, has been a really great ally in terms of uh, reaching out to his counterpart um, both at the White House and in other federal agencies to and get we, them at the table. We've got to have our third break now. And Doug has been on the program. He's great. So we'll take our third and final break. It goes by real quick. You've given us a lot of great information, Alan. But we'll be right back. 1450 WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks with Everything Co-op, and Alan Knapp is our guest uh, this morning on the program. Alan, I just want to let you know and the audience know we have a new webpage. It's called everything.coop. That's www.everything.coop, and you can go there and you can find past shows, and Alan, yours will be up in a week or two. So you can go and look at past shows. You can also sign up to get the press releases of who's going to be on. And we have there different things that have come up, like the International Summit of Co-ops. ICA is having a meeting in Quebec City October 11th through the 13th. We mentioned ICA. I'm hoping to go there. I'm planning to go there, which will be my first one. You said you've already been to one before, Alan, so I'm looking forward to looking at the international. Because in 2011, I went to the United Nations, and they had all these different people standing up talking, and it was Russia and all in South America, talking about the co-op model and what was going on in these China and so forth. And I was just amazed. It seemed like in a lot of places there's more going, a lot of countries, there's more going on in cooperative than there is in the United States. So I'm looking forward to that ICA meeting, International Summit of Co-ops, October 11th through the 13th. So you said you wanted to talk about another subject before I cut you off. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, just talking a little bit about some of the tangible um, areas that we're working on. So in terms of with the as I was talking about the interagency working group on cooperative development and, and going back earlier on the on the program, I talked about, you know, how we have an awareness problem or an awareness mm-hmm. issue. And we, we need to raise that awareness. One of the one of the key areas that um, when you're when you're trying to raise awareness, especially with policymakers is is um, in, in government people in government they want to know numbers they want to know you know we're a data driven society you know, stories are are great they they really provide a lot of that um, but the, the bottom line they want to know numbers you know they want to know where where how many co-ops are in my congressional district how many jobs do they create how you know how much economic impact do they do they make in in the country and you know one and I hear that a lot and and one of the things that um, that we're trying to do is is really improve that that amount of data so we have readily available data that we can provide to those to those answers and one of the really good things that we can really do as cooperatives is, is try to get co-ops to be measured again in the economic 
census that the U.S. Census Bureau puts out. The, the economic census is done every five years on a year ending in two and in a year ending in seven. So we're coming up to 2017 next year is the next economic census. Um, cooperatives used to be mentioned and used to be measured in that economic census um, as, as uh, the last time was 1997. Um, Census at that point started, um, they, they used to have a question where they would ask businesses in their surveys a legal form of organization, and cooperatives was one of the checkboxes. Um, that was removed in 1997 because the Census Bureau thought that they could get that from internal revenue service forms and, and filings. The problem is that co-ops measure, uh, co-ops report themselves differently. They, they, uh, they, they report themselves differently to the IRS. And so bottom line is we want to get, we want to get co-ops back into that economic census. We want to be able to provide that question back in there because we, we have uh, researchers, uh, you know, economic researchers at, at specifically the University of Wisconsin Center for Cooperatives, which has a census data center there. So when, when, when I need data and I want to go to that center and I want them to pull up Census Bureau records, that they should be able to provide that information very, very quickly, very, very rapidly. Numbers of jobs, numbers of, of, uh, of, of, of you know, co-ops in a certain area. What sector are they in? What do they do? Right now, we just don't have that ability. We we have we have data that that can be can be found by researchers, but it's not readily available. And so, one of the things that we're doing is we are working with uh, trying to send a letter to the Commerce Secretary, Secretary Penny Pritzker, and uh, both our co-chairs uh, that I mentioned earlier, Congressman mm -hmm. Royce and Congressman Pocan. Um, we worked with them on a letter uh, that is currently being circulated in the U.S. House of Representatives. We also are, are circulating it for, for interest among members in the U.S. Senate. And the letter to Secretary Pritzker is, is basically asked, uh, it, it provides that framework about why co-ops need to be measured again. But most importantly, it asks, it, it asks them to work with the constructs that we've created in the working group. Um, to really kind of listen to stakeholders, interested stakeholders that, that want to get this measured and, and find out a way to get it done. And uh, we're hopeful that letter will be sent very shortly uh, to the Commerce Secretary. We've had conversations with the U.S. Census Bureau um, who are, uh, they, they, I feel like they're on board. Um, I feel like they, they understand the need to get that done. You know, co-ops are, uh, are a niche within our economy, but they're a very important niche. And, and uh, you know, we need that data. We need that data to, to increase that, um, that, that uptick of awareness. And, and so we're really hopeful that that letter will be signed. That was another, um, besides having people join the caucus, that was another ask that we had our members do on their fly into Capitol Hill last week and, and meeting with members and sharing that letter and asking them uh, to, to ask their members of Congress to, to join. You know, I had Harriet May on the program two and a half years ago when she became uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. And she uh, started out as a clerk in a credit union in El Paso, Texas. And she said that credit union started with five people putting up $5 each in the 30s. And now it has over a billion dollars of assets. And she retired as the president of that uh, credit union. And that's one of the other things I like about co-ops. People can grow there's no glass ceiling, particularly for women. I've had a lot of women on here, particularly in the credit union world, where they can get to be in charge of a credit union, where they, women may have a hard time getting to be a, the head person of Wells Fargo. But she said that once 2007-8 came and the policies that the federal government uh, put out, it gave the credit unions the same criteria for 
Wells Fargo and other banks, what credit unions didn't do any problem. They didn't do any wrong, but they still, she said their credit, small credit union went from three people filling out forms, government forms to 12 people. And that just adds a lot of more expenses, which gets passed on to the members. And that seems to be dead wrong. They should not have to fill them out because there was no problem in credit unions. I don't know what you can do, advocate for that. And it seemed like it would be a big push to get the government to go back and change their policies for credit unions. But it seems like they ought to. What do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, one of the one of the problems when uh, when, when there is a problem is is kind of an overreaction. You know, on the point of Congress, uh, they, they want to uh, you know, they want to make a splash or they want to make an impact or they want to make quick change. And, and you know, regulators in the same way, you know, when there's. Uh, when there's a problem that that uh, has impacted you know millions of Americans and you know losing money and and uh, you know having their homes foreclosed, you know it creates this um, overreaction. And, and you know unfortunately, actors that didn't have anything to do with that are going to be connected in that. You know I've had conversations with both two organizations, the National Association of Federal Credit Unions and the Credit Union National Association, who uh, th- this is a big issue of theirs. And, and it's, you know, wanting to be treated in the same way as, as other financial institutions, but also wanting to, wanting to be differentiated, um, wanting to be not- noticed that they didn't, they were, they weren't particularly causing the problem. They didn't cause the problem. They shouldn't be part of the. They shouldn't be Penalized. drawn into and dragged down with <laughs> yes. with those bad actors. So yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that would be another way of differentiating the co-op model because again, you said it early on is that there's local decisions made, and so decisions are made for what's best for the community, and therefore all of the oversight isn't there because oversight is built into the model. So, yeah, again, that's why I like the model. So you're working. Oh, what about changing HUD? Uh, You mentioned HUD earlier from HUD to cooperative housing and urban development as opposed to housing and urban development. Okay. I don't think I'll get that done, but I like the idea. That is a good idea. We'd be happy to work with, uh, you know, we've, we've approached, you mentioned Judy uh, Sullivan at the National Association of Housing Cooperatives that you're very, very involved with, Vernon. And, um, you know, we, we would really be interested in, in having HUD at some point um, host an event at the interagency working group and, and bring together those that are interested in housing co-op issues um, directly to uh, the HUD secretary um, and, and his um, key senior staff there to, to really hear about that, um, you know, and other issues. I know uh, housing co-ops in, in New York and New Jersey were affected by FEMA issues, and, and I know there's uh, VA loan issues. So a number of things that, that, that uh, you know, we're just getting started with this, with this working group and the, and the, the potential of, of collaboration with all of the different federal agencies and, and, and the White House connecting in Congress is, is really uh, – there's, there's a lot of potential there. And so um, we're really excited about the future of that and engaging all of those agencies to help. Um, and that's what we're here for. We're here to help solve problems and, and create opportunities and create prosperity for, uh, for um, folks that choose to um, live and work and, and buy cooperatively. You know, prosperity is a great word, and it leads me to my next point as opposed to a question. There was a study that that National Co-op Bank got an independent research firm to do. They looked at HUD-sponsored apartment buildings and HUD-sponsored uh, co-ops, affordable housing, uh, limited equity co-ops, 
And in every variable you could look at, the limited equity cooperative outperformed the apartment building, every aspect, which made me ask the question, why doesn't HUD do more uh, limited equity co-ops? Why don't they put more money out? They have everything geared toward the apartment building, faster processing times, more money, more policy, more procedures. When you look at people who are more satisfied in a limited equity co-op, they don't have the foreclosures, you don't have, you have lower rents, you you have people, as you said, they make their own the decisions, you have them putting in more money to fix up the place if they don't get run down after 15 years, every aspect. And also the people who live there could make money, they had a return on their investment. I have my reasons, but that I believe they don't put more money into it. But the bigger one is how can we get HUD to look at this in Congress to change because right now my sense of it is that most of the politicians are bought by the billionaires. This is cynical, I've been told, but bought by the billionaires, and therefore they put policies in place that would help them make more money and not everyday people. What do you think? We only have another minute or two else. <laughs> yeah, that's a, boy, that's, a, that's, a whole, that's a whole program right here. Um, you know, you're, you're right, though. I, part of the issue, and we've, and this, this goes a number of different agencies, is it's a culture of awareness uh, that, that, that uh, you know, these agencies are making decisions without understanding how people are living today. And, you know, it, it's the same thing. We had a meeting with the Small Business Administration about lending to certain types of cooperatives. That's a big area that National Cooperative Bank has has really been spearheading. And, you know, one of the issues, um, sticking points there, you know, all, all politics aside is I think the, um, you know, who who owns the loan guarantee or, you know, who, who do you, you know, can you point to one person that if that loan defaults that we're going to go back to that person and collect our money? You know, when, when co-ops are owned collectively, there's there's uh, there's no one person. It's the entity of itself. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. looking at outdated regulations and looking at ways to to look modern, you know, in a more modern way at, at how people are living today and, and finding and recognizing that, I think, is is, is part of what government really needs to understand. And, and uh, we, we hope we can continue that process. And if we could get them to understand that by the group doing this, you have less uh, failures, a lot less failures than when one person goes and start a business. So, yeah. That's correct, yes. Well, sir, what's your last word? <laughs> sure everybody My out last there. word is, is, uh, is, is impact 2016. So we left our national, or we left our annual conference with a, a panel called Impact 2016. And you, um, you know, your listeners and, and the co-op community, there's there's elections taking place this year, very important, crucial elections, both at the highest highest office in the land, down to your congressional offices, down to your your state and, and your local offices. And really, the idea is we we've partnered with the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association on an effort that they are engaging in called vote.coop. And it's really a um, a, a broad cross-sector plan really to get co-op members out to vote. Uh, there's there's no, um, we don't care if you vote Democrat, we don't care if you vote Republican, we don't care if you vote Independent, but you've got to go out there and you've got to vote. Gotta you got to vote. You've you got to last. you got to make your voice known because... You know, in, in Washington, if you're uh, if you're not on the menu, you're at the you know. Okay. <laughs> Go vote. We got it, baby. Thanks a lot, Alan. It's a pleasure. We'll see you next Thank week. You, Vernon. Appreciate it. Thank All you. All right. Bye now. Fourteen fifty. W O L.